Hello, and welcome to another episode of Sophia's Choice, a Golden Girls podcast. I am Alan, and joined by Ski. Yo. And Brent. Yo. My um, maternal godmother was a lady named Susan Harris. Oh. <laughs> so so is this something you're doing then more out of obligation exactly. than out of desire? <laughs> exactly. Um, she gave me a $25 savings bond once, and I feel like I owe her. Yeah, well, I would true. say so, yeah. I mean, that stuff that ga- gains value over time. Mm-hmm. Exactly. I'm up to $37 now. Yeah. And if you save that until you're, well, like 60 years old, you might have a cool 50. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. So, uh, well, the episode that we're going to be covering today is called The Artist. And we'll be doing our normal forecast, Ski doing the recap, Brent and I giving our, uh, I don't know, little interjections here and there. Mm-hmm. Did you call it our normal forecast? Did I say normal forecast? Yeah. Uh, so. Well, <laughs> I'm forecasting this will be a fine episode. <laughs> I'm forecasting it's not off to a great start. <laughs> yeah, sounds like not. But <laughs> the nice thing with the bad start is that it typically can build up from there, right? Mm-hmm. I, I mean, I guess there's always possibility that a shitty start could lead to just an entire shitty run throughout the entire <laughs> hour plus that we're doing this for, but, you know, we'll hope it doesn't go that direction. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it will be our normal format yes. where uh, we give our recap, yeah. MVPs of the episode, and then rate it out of eight slices of the cheesecake as mm-hmm. we continue working towards finding the best episode of the entire series. Nope. So, uh, with that, um, oh, we do have a, a, a new follower. Oh, uh, new follow Welcome. on both. He followed us on all the platforms that we're part of. So, wow, that's so he, some he effort. Left us a comment on iTunes. Nice. Um, he uh, followed us on Podbean. Very nice. He left us a comment on the Facebook page and on the Twitter account. Wow, so, nice. like Thank all you over the place. Yeah. So new, he, he's new MVP. Yeah, yeah. He really is uh, coming up quick. Um, his name is uh, C J Glickman. CJ Glick. Very nice. Um, I'll just give you the little overview. So Feel I thought to follow him if what's you're that? on the Twitters. Um, well, I will say that his uh, I enjoyed his his review for us on, on iTunes. Oh, very nice. And I definitely encourage anybody <laughs> else to do that because it certainly helps us. So it's our eighth five-star review now, third nice. third actual review. Thank you, CJ. Um, he said, I enjoy this podcast. I'm listening to episode 18. I started on the first episode and binge listen, but a rating and review was requested. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I like the host chemistry. I'm also a longtime Golden Girls fan. So I like that he you know, puts it on Front Street, that he's doing this because we requested it, <laughs> where there's a lot of people out there not doing it, even though we've requested it. <laughs> so His sense of obligation to the review you know, almost matches my sense of obligation to Godmother Susan Harris. <laughs> <laughs> and without the uh, incentive. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> without, without... Yeah, he's not even getting 37 up to $50 from us in the future. But, exactly. Um, and I think you could definitely argue that we have not produced $50 worth of material in the 60 episodes that we've done. No. <laughs> so, uh, now, on a, on the Twitter, mm-hmm. he said, I'm listening to season one finale. I've been binge-watching since Friday. Nice. I enjoy this podcast. Longtime Golden Girls fan. But this podcast is refreshing, funny, great banter, chemistry, and chill AF. Nice. Wow. For the kids out there, AF means as fun as fun <laughs> yeah <laughs> i thought it was after frankenstein yes <laughs> <laughs> and chill after frankenstein because he loves frankenstein who doesn't exactly <laughs> but he li- watches that first then listens uh-huh. to the podcast and then uh and then he happened to comment on our facebook page just that uh, he is currently on this episode on apple right now Thanks. listening to the most recent episode okay. we put out now i will tell you guys <laughs> <laughs> CJ, obviously he, he's he's already you know shooting up the the leaderboard as far as our listeners go. Absolutely. Um, but I will say that 
and this is a, a good thing in my opinion. He is very, uh, at least based on the things I've looked at him from his online profile, mm-hmm. uh, very much the opposite <laughs> as far as we go when it comes to political affiliations and views and things like that. Feel free to follow us, folks, so we can stalk you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I like to look. You know, I like to see like, oh, you know, that's cool. I mean, I like anybody that reaches out. Yeah. I'm glad they do, but. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I'd say, you know, we all tend to fall that way. And I don't know if CJ has gotten to our episodes that we were recording around election time and we were a little more political yeah. than we try to typically be. Yeah. But either way, he's still listening, still giving nice reviews. And okay. I'm glad that we're able to cross the political divide yeah. um, in this very divisive world we live in. So. He's currently listening to the episodes from the era I like to call BC. BC before? Yep. CJ. Before CJ. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think that things are going to flip now? Like, have you been swayed? All it took was a couple good reviews. And you're all like, all right, you know, exactly. It's a new era. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you take back any pro anything left that you said in the past. No. Exactly. Um, but yeah, okay. and then uh, is I, this now AC? No, we're still AF for after Frankenstein. Okay, oh. gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> um, and then uh, we, I, I posted a picture today of, of myself on on the Facebook really? and like the Twitter. Face account. And yeah, I actually put my face out wow. there and everything. Um, now today in our world yes. it is uh what march the 27th something like that yeah. um, but this is going to be going out on may the 10th okay so hopefully by may 10th everybody listening will you know or hopefully anybody that wants the vaccine will have gotten it i hope everybody wants it but i know not everybody mm-hmm. does um but i just got my first dose and so you know we're certainly pro mm-hmm. pro vaccine um my second dose is scheduled for April 8th. April 8th. So I will be living my best life for a good month when yeah. this comes out. And then I, mine is April 27th. Um, and uh, so by the time this episode hits, mm-hmm. we'll all be fully vaccinated, which yeah. is cool. Yeah. Um, and like I said, I hope that you all do it as well. But we've gotten several lights on that picture. Yes. And one that I was extremely it's happy to see. because you're a handsome man, Alan. I wouldn't say that. Quite I the think looker. people like the sentiment more than the human. But <laughs> I was extremely happy to see one of those likes was from Numi. So hey, she has not... Nice. Uh, she has not disappeared. She's not forsaken us. Right, yeah. So, I mean, I hope she's still listening. We still get a listen or two every week from, from Sweden. So, I believe, okay. you know, that Numi's still okay. with us. Probably just busy. Yeah, oh, stuff. yeah. I want to know they've had all... The whole yeah. world has still had plenty of stuff going on exactly. to keep everyone busy. But I was just really happy to see Numi's name down there. Cause it's probably their summertime. Is it? I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> so, well, I appreciate your conviction. <laughs> So with that, uh, that's all that I had as far as new news when it comes to... Very cool. It's an awesome yeah. update. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, a little so. bit of new me, a new follower. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I encourage all of you. Like, like I said, whatever side of the political spectrum you fall on, we all love the Golden Girls, and that's what's important. Mm-hmm. So Exactly. Uh, that's we're the all, only thing important. We're all staying golden. <laughs> right, exactly, yeah. <laughs> if we, we all stay golden, the world... we do different. I agree. I think that most people really do. Unfortunately, sometimes we just get too caught up on the differences. And Exactly. But, you know... They're like, you know, I may agree with you 90% of the time, but the 10% I don't means you're my enemy. <laughs> right. I fucking hate you. <laughs> Anyways, so that's all the, the new the new bits of news for today. So, Ski, if you're ready, I'll let you kick off I the am, recap. I think. Did you guys have good weeks? It was, yeah. I had a good week yeah, overall. Um, the kids this week yeah. in, in our real life, it was yeah. spring break for the kids, nice. which we didn't do anything, but it was yeah. it's easier because then they don't have homework to worry about yeah. and, you know, and all that. So. And I did take a Friday off, so it was nice, nice to have a three-day weekend. Cool. So, 
What about you? I don't know. I don't know. It was okay. a conversation. Yeah. <laughs> Awkward time to make it, but <laughs> as is your way. Sometimes we get in the thick of the episode, and then uh, next thing I know, it's over. And, and then you never even knew anything about our week. Exactly. And we kick you out the moment it's over. So. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not one to overstay his welcome. Yeah. Well, I'm debatable. <laughs> no, no, you definitely don't, to be on when you actually hang Deliver around. my recaps at a tight 37 minutes. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> But yeah. you do have a lot of extra stuff. I mean, you pack in the bonus that I, I, I clearly don't. In general, I would definitely agree. That last one, I think Brent gave that recap like he had diarrhea <laughs> and he <laughs> didn't want to miss a toilet break because that was a fast one. <laughs> but in, in a general sense, in the handful of recaps Brent has done, I feel like he packs a lot of episode pertinent or information pertinent to the episode. Mm-hmm. But last one, I don't think so much. Yeah. Um, but that's okay. I think he was just trying something a little different. Mm-hmm. Well, I think he got he got excited because he had something he wanted to talk about, yes. and then he decided, as is his way, that he would amuse himself by talking more about that other thing than the episode. So he had to shorten down his episode. Did you say you even checked the word count? I did. I just <laughs> I needed to make sure that you know. That's a, that's a sign of pride right there. That's, exactly. It's workmanship. Sometimes these podcasts are one for them, one for me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, fortunately, most of the time when Brent amuses himself, he also amuses others, but that's not a prerequisite for Brent. <laughs> it just is a happy coincidence, if anything. <laughs> if I can only reach one person, I see no reason why it couldn't be me. Right. There you go. <laughs> so so you're, you're definitely like a why not me kind of a person. Exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Well, you know, I hope that continues to work out for you. (laughs) It's turned you into a pretty fun friend, so you know, and a good person. So, at least as far as I know, I don't know about any hobos you've killed with hammers or anything like that. But you know, I'm just saying, I don't know your whole life. I just know the part that I'm part of, which sometimes includes 37 minutes of a recap. That leaves a lot of hobo killing available time. <laughs> so I just don't, I don't want to be on record as being like, oh yeah, he's a great guy, and then you know it's like you're a serial killer, and like I thought you knew everything about him. You know, yeah. I don't want to be an accomplice after yeah. the fact. <laughs> you know, it's one of those things that forty hours a week for work, you know, fifty six hours a week for sleeping, mm-hmm. thirty seven minutes for my recap. <laughs> Yeah, and that does leave a lot of hours that you need to account for. Exactly. Now you watch the episode too, so we should allow you know yeah, some time yeah. in for that too. Yeah. Maybe an hour in the week for your couple of two to three watchings yeah. of the episode. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so one less hour hour for killing hobos. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that's that's why we do this podcast actually <laughs> is to save hobos from you. <laughs> now, do you prefer hobos or drifters? <laughs> I don't know. I think he prefers the desperate loner, regardless of the other classifications. <laughs> Understood. Because, I mean, if it's a loner, they probably don't know a lot of people, you know. Um, they probably don't have a lot of people that are out looking for them. Mm-hmm. So it just makes for a cleaner situation <laughs> overall. But not that he and I have talked about this before. Uh, any, any of this would just mean. Really? It sounds pretty familiar. It's unfortunately, you're the least lonery person that either of us know. <laughs> so you are the definition of a social butterfly. Mm-hmm. Sometimes. But it's one of those things that, like, if you went missing, it would be noticeable very, very quickly because <laughs> Lord knows there's somebody out there who needs to move. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'll tell you what, if you go missing, then I'm going to start investing in national moving companies because they will see a bump. Because, yeah. <laughs> yeah, once people no longer have a friend or a, an acquaintance they can turn to, <laughs> then they'll start having to hire out. <laughs> so Exactly. I always see the, you know, two guys in a truck moving company. <laughs> a little low slogan. It's like, if skiing isn't available, call yeah. us. <laughs> Unfortunately for them, he almost always is. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so. Even at the expense of his regularly scheduled appointments on right. Saturday night. At, at the risk yeah. of, of adding to this, uh, me and Al were on the phone this afternoon. Mm-hmm. And I had to hand the phone off to you. Do you remember that? Yeah. Or to my to Nicole. Right. Did she tell you what I went to go do? No, she didn't. Um, you had called to see if I <laughs> wanted something you found in your garage to help me with the project at our house. So that was <laughs> why he was calling to offer unsolicited help, which is also <laughs> typical. Not in a bad way. I don't mean it that way, but I just mean of his typical of his generosity. But go ahead. What were you doing then when you had to step away? I noticed our neighbor pulled up with a couch on his trunk. <laughs> and I went to help him move it in. Yeah, I think about, you know, like, I know we did those, that I did those eulogies a couple weeks ago, a few weeks ago, whatever it was now. But I think sometimes about, like, at my funeral, I think there'll be plenty of sad people. You mm-hmm. know, like, I think that, you know, the people who are close to me, which is yeah. a decent number of people, like, mm-hmm. th- they'll definitely be sad when I'm gone. Yeah. Um, and I, I would say the same thing for you, Brent. With ski, though, I feel like it's going to be like Governor Holcomb will be the one announcing it <laughs> because are ridiculous. We're really not. I mean, Is it half staff. Or? Yeah, we're going to have to rent out. It'll be like when I when Sherry and I got married. Uh, neither of us had been confirmed, but we uh-huh. wanted to get married in the Catholic Church. Yeah. And so it just happened. So it happened that that year. There was some sort of like a jubilee thing happening where they were doing mm-hmm. this mass confirmation mm-hmm. at the uh, RCA Dome. or yeah, okay. I think it was the RCA Dome still because the Hoosier Dome yeah. or the Lucas Oil hadn't been built yet. Yeah. So, And so there was, you know, like thousands of people there getting confirmed at the mm-hmm. same time. And a matter of fact, I think Ski was my sponsor um, for the confirmation. Yeah, I think so. And I would imagine that'll be how they have to do Ski's funeral. <laughs> like, <laughs> they'll be like, "All right, Lucas Oil holds seventy thousand people. If we put if we put seats on the on the actual floor, then we can yeah. get more in, yeah. and then that'll be you know the kind of thing. They'll probably put him in one of those glass boxes like linen or whatever, so they can <laughs> come and visit it for days or months or whatever. Lying in wake for eight days. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and every day it'll be you know like a massive line to start off mm-hmm. the processional, but. When I die, I want to actually, I I want to build my own pine box with the cheapest materials possible, and then be cremated. You should probably do that before you die. Yeah, <laughs> probably, probably. <laughs> I'm trying to wonder well, there is where. There's one flaw on your plan, but. <laughs> well, no, no, I want step wanna... one die. <laughs> step two build my casket. <laughs> <laughs> that would be an er- erroneous, okay. you know, mm-hmm. game plan. Yeah. Well, I just want you to know that if you die young, <laughs> Brent and I will take up the mantle and build that pine box for you. Remember, cheap materials. Please. I mean, I've got a large box right behind if you. If they'll take cardboard, cardboard, do that. Yeah. That seems like the more logical choice. And that seems like the level of effort that I put into most projects. <laughs> so <laughs> I think it would work out well. Uh, but we will bedazzle it. <laughs> so that, bedazzle? Yeah. I like that. <laughs> Some little rhinestones. Mm-hmm. Getting high off the glue fumes of <laughs> <Yeah>. his burning <laughs> casket. 
Well, you know what? We'll have a lot of sadness to get over, so a little mm-hmm. bit of, um, you know, chemical. Blue, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they help us get through that trying time. But anyways, so now that we have our weeks and whatnot out of the way, yeah. <laughs> uh, Ski, if you'd like to kick off our recap, I think we're ready. All righty. Season 3, Episode 13, The Artists. Uh, original air date was December 19th, uh, 1987. This one was written by Christopher Lloyd and directed by Terry Hughes. Uh, we open in the living room. We see Dorothy uh, coming into the living room. She's picking up things and uh, maybe put, I don't know exactly what she was doing. She was just moving some stuff around, maybe tidying up. Yeah, maybe. Uh, when Sophia enters in a long coat, I think we find out later it's tweed. <laughs> Dorothy asks her mother how uh, Bingo was, and Sophia opens up the heavy coat, saying, "Judge for yourself." And she is naked, as her daughter quickly points out. And uh, she asks what happens, of course, or what happened. Sophia explains that a, a jokester named Maury at the at the senior center had uh, sprayed her outfit with prune juice from a fake gag flower. Mm-hmm. I think he even said something like, "For you know, smell my flower for luck," mm-hmm. which seems like a, a classic, right? Like opening thing. And uh, they provide uh, free prune juice. We found out from the center. Mm-hmm. That's why he used that. Yeah, I, I like that she said. I can't remember exactly the phrase, but something about that. Uh, they made their money off of renting out uh, padded toilet seats. Yes, that was, <laughs> which yeah. I don't like. It seems like I think maybe you make your money selling them, but yeah. I can't imagine that it's like, oh, we're having a, a group with the case of the runs this week, so can we rent <laughs> some of those toilet seats for the next ten days, and then you know we'll we'll send them back, and then mm. lo and behold, their free prune juice shows up again. <laughs> so it seems like at a certain point, like that that sales tactic would work once or mm-hmm. twice but then yeah, I think the, they would the, just go the ahead and invest seats, in the padded seats yeah. the padded seats like a very uh, odd item to rent in any mm-hmm. context right. yeah <laughs> see what i imagined was like you know it's like you go up and you give them five dollars and then they give you a padded toilet seat with a chain and a long wooden rod <laughs> attached to it uh, <laughs> and then, and then you, you bring it back exactly when you return it you get a you know a quarter back for your deposit <laughs> So kind of like in a gas station, exactly. where, but in this case, you're just renting. So if they didn't rent the seat, would they just be sitting straight up on porcelain? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Just right down into the bowl. So yeah. <laughs> at least it's nice and cool if it's a hot day. Yeah. Um, but, do, yeah. I, I do prefer a, a cold seat. Do you? Yeah. As opposed to a hot seat? Is there? A, <laughs> how often do you sit down on a hot toilet seat? If you use a public toilet and you sit down. Oh. <laughs> so, so, okay, I understand then. So you don't want to see that you can still feel the body heat of the person who exactly. was there before you. Exactly. The remnants left behind. Exactly. <laughs> now, what if it was a unisex toilet and the person that just came out was someone he found attractive? No. Would you then be like, oh, I'm feeling that, Mm-mm. you know, attractive person? No. No. <laughs> no. I wouldn't um I, I she to, looks hot, and now I know that she is hot. <laughs> I had to go number two, um, and it was just like one of the all-time worst ever. Um, and so, you know, I make it to the restroom, um, public bathroom, and I go to, you know, pull down my pants and do my business. And there was a pubis on the on the seat there. 
so then I had to like stop and get that cleaned off and everything because I just hanging out exactly till my dying day. I'd have been thinking about that, wondering if that curly was still there. At some point, it decides, you know, I'm here. Exactly. I'm going to implant. Exactly. (laughs) Do you think that you would ever be driven to the point where you get it waxed like your ass crack waxed just so you know it was completely hair free? I would not trust it. (laughs) So even then, you'd be like, no, he just snuck into the hole when they were doing the waxing and now he's still there. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. I had a terrible situation in a public restroom. It's been a couple years ago now, but I had to go, you know, really uh-huh. bad. Like it was like it was an emergency situation. Yeah. I tried to go to the standard men's restroom first, yeah. okay? It was full. All the yeah, stalls yeah. were full. Oh, yeah. So then I went to the uh, mm-hmm. the family bathroom. Yeah. Okay. So I wasn't going to the women's room, but it was yeah. a blowout. It was a bad yeah. situation. Thankfully I made it in time. Mm-hmm. But then after this I look around and there someone is pulling on the door handle yeah. at one point, yeah. but I have finished and I look around. There's no toilet paper in this bathroom, <laughs> oh, and, no. and so there is some paper towels next uh-huh. to things. So then I have to waddle over <laughs> to get the yeah. paper towels off to clean myself. At up. least it wasn't one of those like hand things where like the the, the unit paper towel. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah, it wasn't like a hand dryer where I just had to have it blown off my ass. But um, so I waddle over, I get the paper towels. Well, of course, between what I put in there and the paper towels I put in there, uh-huh. it clogs the toilet. Uh-huh. So there's no paper on the thing. And then at this point, I've heard the person who was waiting to come in go to get help because they just think that somebody has yeah. locked the door. Um, they don't realize there's still someone in there. And so then finally I come. You didn't yell occupied or something? I, I mean, I think at, at some point I tried to, but I wasn't. I don't know, confident enough to really yell it with a lot of authority, maybe. Get out of here! <laughs> Dehydrated. Like, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> and so then, like, I... So then, at this point, the toilet's clogged. There's no paper. Um, and I've been in the family bathroom, so I look like an asshole anyway, because they don't know that the men's restroom yeah. was filled. They just think I'm a jerk who went yeah. into the family bathroom on their own. And there's a woman out there with a small child oh. and a stroller. Oh. So, like, a small child and a baby that's been going... I just left the store. I needed stuff but I just didn't want to take the yeah. chance of seeing her again. Exactly. So I was like, oh, well. Yeah. Horribly embarrassing. Yeah. I mean. And I've never been back to that Arby's again. Right. I, <laughs> I, I burned that target to the ground <laughs> with that woman and her children in there. I couldn't have them telling this tale. <laughs> so, yeah. They're in a better place, Alan. <laughs> right. Um, but yeah. So anyways, yes. Uh, so so we've gotten past padded toilet seats at this point. Yep. So, uh, yeah, apparently uh, that Maury guy sprayed her, and he took her clothes to be cleaned, which was nice-ish, Yeah. Ish, because it just left her naked. Yeah, and it seemed odd that the way that... Where did that go down? It's presented <laughs> as if she is completely naked. Like, is she blanching it up mm-hmm. where she's going underwear-free yeah. during this? Because Didn't, unless that was a lot of prune juice, I would yeah. think that, like, the bra and panties would probably have made it through. Yeah. Without needing to be dry cleaned, you would you would suspect. I mean, yeah. Was that Maury's end game in the to start with though? Yeah, I mean, surely he would know. <laughs> does whoever seem he uh, uh-huh. cunning, does it not? Yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, go. My favorite, maybe my favorite line of the episode is coming up here in just a moment. So we'll see if you hit it or if I need to chime in. Well, Sophia continues by saying that you know she was mortified on the way home. Uh, her coat belt had come loose uh, in front of a construction site. And the men were, uh, we'll say, less than complimentary. Yeah. Is that is that the area you're talking about? I, I did enjoy that one, but it's not my favorite one. I think she said nobody whistled and two guys went home sick. Yes. <laughs> so that's why she felt bad about it. But no, the the one the one I'm thinking of is here just around the corner. I think I think I might know what it is. So Rose enters then and uh, notices that Sophia's 
uh, sitting on the couch wearing this heavy coat, which, you know, let's be honest, the whole crew wears some pretty heavy clothes on a regular basis right, yeah. in the heat of Miami. So Sweaters are far more common in their household <laughs> than they are in Miami in general. <laughs> I, would, I would agree. But uh, when she asks Sophia you know, about you know why you're wearing such a heavy coat, Sophia stands up and flashes her as well and then walks on to her room, I'm guessing. Uh, Rose asked Dorothy if Sophia was, quote, naked just now, or does her dress really need ironing? Yeah, that was, was my that? favorite. Yeah, <laughs> I love that line. That was my favorite one of the episode. There was a handful that I really liked in this episode, but that me one. Me too. I had a few real, real favorites. That one shined for me a little brighter than the rest. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Dorothy does not respond, but just kind of gives her that her patented look. Mm-hmm. Uh, then Blanche enters with a uh, tall man in a sport coat behind her. Uh, named Laszlo, an artist who's uh, featured at the museum where Blanche works. Uh, the girls say hello, and Rose explains how much they enjoyed his, uh, I'm assuming, recent lecture on uh, modern sculpture. He humbly says that he didn't think anyone was really listening, but uh, then Rose continues to kind of gush about how much uh, she and Dorothy enjoyed it, uh, including some somewhat intimate-sounding comments made by Dorothy, mm-hmm. kind of just inferring that she really liked him, thought he was you know, hot or something. Yeah, I think she said specifically uh, when Dorothy was kind of trying to downplay, you know, how much yes. she liked it. She said, uh, you said you'd like to help him mold his clay or buff his marble any time, <laughs> which, you know, I wonder like what molding his clay and buffing his marble specifically means. <laughs> but, you know, I, I guess it was probably be more just a, a general sexual connotation than yeah. maybe something specifically to mold or buff. Um but uh, Dorothy takes Rose's hand and kind of gives it a good squeeze to shut her up. Uh, then uh, they all sit down, and Blanche starts talking about how you know handsome he is, and how all of the ladies at the museum and bands at a molding capacity that you must also be good at using them in bed. And as he says this, the girls are kind of getting visibly hot and bothered. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blanche also then asks if anyone wants a cold drink, and the other girls uh, quickly accept. Uh, but then Lazlo gets up saying, you know, he really needs to be going as he'd uh, just given Blanche a ride home. Right. Uh, he then tells each of them goodbye with a kiss on the hand. And then uh, Blanche whips around from front to the back so she can get a second goodbye. Yeah. Yeah, that was a nice little gag there at the beginning. And then you say, goodbye, Blanche. Mm-hmm. Dorothy Rose, goodbye, Blanche again. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do you think that museums typically have like an artist in residency that is working on art and doing lectures at the same time? I mean, is that a common thing? Yeah. <laughs> I wonder how you get that position to get the... I mean, I'd assume you'd have to be someone of at least moderate notoriety <coughs> exactly. um, prior, but... doesn't hurt to be Hungarian either. <laughs> yeah, I'm sure that... <laughs> I would imagine being foreign at, at all, it just makes you sound more exotic when exactly. you're giving your lectures and whatnot. Especially in Miami. Yeah. You know, so... So you don't think like it, like if Larry the Cable Guy was a great, um, a great <laughs> artist that people would take it as seriously if he was up there telling them to get her done and whatnot? So you're saying he's not a great artist? Well, I'm talking about different Have you mediums. Seen witness protection. <laughs> <laughs> I can't say that I have, but I'm not Tooth saying. Tooth fairy too. <laughs> Well, the first one was such a masterpiece, I didn't feel like I would want to sully it with the second, but it sounds like I missed out. <laughs> yes. <laughs> but uh, anyways, so yeah, the the, the foreign uh, accent or whatever definitely yeah. adds some, mm-hmm. I don't know, gravity to, yeah. to his lessons, I imagine. Yeah. But I think it's not just, you know, the visual arts. Um, 
I think they have artist residence at certain theaters and different things like that. Oh, really? Yeah, like, like the, the symphony and different things like oh, that. Oh, okay. Mm-hmm. What about like the, the art craft theater down in Franklin? Do you think they have like a filmmaker down there on hand? <laughs> <laughs> Not on staff or each season or anything, no. <laughs> well, I'm pretty sure there's a guy who works at the AMC, um, you know, like that's, I don't know, near 465. You know, the AMC Indianapolis yeah, that we typically yeah. frequent. Yeah. Um, and he's the one who takes tickets. I'm pretty sure he's a pretty big movie maker as well. That he just does that and gives his Who's, um, lectures and whatnot in between. <laughs> so, he has a as a MacGuffins, you know, like the little alcohol bar right, or yeah. whatever. Mm-hmm. In the uh, the bartender guy in there um, looks like a scrawny DJ Qualls. Right. <laughs> and I've often isn't wondered... DJ Qualls pretty scrawny already? <laughs> he is. And I've often wondered, like, what's he been up to the last year? <laughs> oh yeah, they're in all this. <laughs> Uh, I'm sure he's still spinning. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> like, super nice guy. Mm-hmm. Super nice guy. Um, like, my wife and I, like, we didn't, you know, frequent that AMC or that MacGuffins very, with, with any great regularity. Uh, but, you know, the three, four times a year that we would both be there and, you know, get a drink or whatever, he was always there working. And it seemed like he remembered us from the previous times and everything. Oh, wow. I mean, he could have just been that way to everybody that comes in, but he seemed genuine and sincere and everything. Well, now I have never ordered. They didn't sit down and they're like, Brent! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, nothing like that. Um, I've never ordered alcohol at a movie theater before yeah. for myself or Sherry. Yeah. Are the prices inflated like they are for everything else movie theater sells, or is it a little more in line with, say, a typical bar price? Um, I mean, it's a smidge higher than a, like a regular bar price or whatever, but the differential between like a large soda and a beer is not that much. That's what I was thinking. Like <laughs> yeah. a large soda is like, I don't know, $6, yeah, whereas yeah. I would imagine what is a beer, maybe 9 Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, that's yeah, definitely the disparity between – how much you would pay in other settings is, exactly. is far less <laughs> than it is for a Coke or a exactly. popcorn. So, yeah. Anyways. So go on, Ski. I think we've gotten past the second uh, hand kissing at yes. this point. Uh, Blanche then walks into the door and tells him that uh, she'll see him tomorrow um, before, he, before he exits. Yes. Uh, she then turns to the girls with a smile on her face, and Dorothy you know, says that you know, her final farewell made it sound like there was a little more going on between the two of them. After a very brief, uh, briefly acting like she was going to be hesitant to tell him, uh, Blanche then explains to them that she's been asked to pose nude for him to make his next sculpture. And her first session is tomorrow morning. Uh, Rose is surprised that Blanche is going to go through this, through with this, uh, but Blanche insists that you know Laszlo is a world-famous uh, sculptor, and uh, this is her shot being immortalized forever in a classic work of art, mm-hmm. she said. Yeah, I think that'd be a fair reason. I mean, if you were someone who maybe wasn't com- like I would think Blanche would be someone who would almost be comfortable with it under lesser circumstances. Well, yeah, um, because I know Ro- Dorothy makes a joke about that. This she said the same thing about the guy who took a picture of her with her po- with his Polaroid in the back seat of his Valero. Valero, Valero yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> but that said, I mean, I think that even if you were someone who wasn't particularly comfortable with your own nudity mm-hmm. in front of people, yeah. If it was a really famous artist or someone who you perceived as really famous mm-hmm. that was really great, then you know you might go ahead and be like, "All right, yeah. I'll make an exception here." Um, mm-hmm. But uh, I don't know. Like, can either of you two ever picture yourself posing? Yeah, I don't know what the line would be in which I would pose nude, but it would definitely have to be somebody who has more than ten thousand podcast listens. <laughs> <laughs> so don't even try it, buddy. <laughs> it has to be for a lot of money. So you're saying. <laughs> 
if I can get Chris Hardwick over here, <laughs> <laughs> then oh. so you're saying there's a chance. Exactly. <laughs> you know, uh-huh. um, it, now, if I was to pose nude, it would not be for a podcaster, oh, okay. <laughs> especially a ninth rate. Well, then that damn near eliminates everybody in today's society. <laughs> so. Sorry, Cellular Silverman, you're not going to see these. <laughs> <laughs> Were you not sure what would be the next word after these? <laughs> like, how many penises do you have? <laughs> you think Sarah Silverman's really after your butt cheeks, your nipples? I mean, abs. He's going to say abs. Oh, okay. Well, fair enough. But... Nipples. <laughs> anyway. His twin belly buttons. Yeah, yeah I don't know. I, I guess... I can't really imagine a circumstance where I, you know, would would pose nude for uh, for any artist, but but at least I could see the justification if it was really you mm-hmm. know well yeah. known and and yeah. what's her talented, a really talented yeah. artist. So, yeah. anyways, but go on. So now Blanche is you know getting ready to go over and strip down for the. Uh, yeah. So yeah, the and you already kind of covered that scene mm-hmm. is where uh, Dorothy says something, basically just saying that you know she used that same line for the guy who. It was a, it's a shoe salesman, actually. Oh, shoe salesman. And in Maybe the Al Bundy, perhaps. Probably Al Bundy, <laughs> I think. <laughs> so what if it's like for a charity calendar? Then would you? Oh, man. If it was completely nude, I don't think I, there'd be a charity I'd care enough about. Like um, it's, a charity to, it's a charity to save my life. Oh, God. Uh, so is this charity going to raise more than I could just contribute on my own? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They're like, you know, <laughs> you need Solid money question. for this operation. This operation costs, you know, um, $100 million. But we think we can sell $100 million worth of calendars <laughs> if we get Alan as Mr. August. So, yeah, so I'm the linchpin <laughs> of this entire operation. Exactly. Uh, the crux. You know, I'll be honest. In my younger days... When uh, I was definitely less uh, woke than I am today, mm-hmm. um, I would ha- I would definitely have a different uh, outlook on this. Okay, where I'm at today in my life, just as far as my mm-hmm. my confidence in my own masculinity and all that mm-hmm. good stuff, yeah. um, I would take an indecent proposal to save your life if that's what really it took. yeah. Wow, well, thank yeah. you for that. Like if somebody wanted to, you know. Put it in my cornhole, and that would, for whatever reason, <laughs> save your life. <laughs> now, don't try to come up with something here. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, if it... Our, our people out there are listening now, Alan. They're like, uh-huh. So, <laughs> right. you're saying there's a chance. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. I'm just saying that I'm confident enough that, like, it wouldn't make me gay. Now that there's anything wrong, if I did suddenly turn gay, I guess I'd be fine if I turn, and I don't think it would turn me. <laughs> but if it took that to... Uh, to save your life or your uh-huh. ski or, or, you know, other lives of people mm-hmm. I care about, then, you know, do what you got to do. Okay. <laughs> so. well, when I get to work on Monday, I'm canceling my health insurance. <laughs> and, and then, you know, With next the time I see the doctor covered, right? and he tries to bill me, I'm like, not so fast. <laughs> How would you like to? <laughs> now, listen, Ski takes thyroid medicine. If he needs that, for, if, you know, if he's like, I can get a discount at the pharmacy, I'll be like, no, I'm sorry. It has to be a true life or death situation. And I have to have Just the assurance. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, can just be so he can get his, you know, his flu vaccine. <laughs> um, and that's the thing; it's it's an easy promise to make because there's almost no circumstance that would ever come true, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, 
it would basically have to be a situation where God wanted to do it to me, and mm-hmm. I had confidence that it really was God, not just someone tricking me into an elaborate disguise. <laughs> that he was like, "I'll save Brent's life." I would argue if you do that this. statistically, you just made it more probable. More by probable? saying this on a podcast that'll be broadcast. Oh, so I mean, yeah, perhaps, but I don't know. <laughs> very, like very slightly the, more probable. We we have like sixty or seventy people that listen to this podcast like on a weekly basis. We end up getting around a hundred to one hundred and twenty listens, you know, which are people who are <laughs> checking us out for the first time and you know moving on <laughs> or filling in back ones they haven't listened yeah. to yet. I can't imagine that out of that, that group of people that we're going to find They're probably the, mostly evil millionaires. <laughs> you know, or sadistic, at least. Then they can buy some sponsorship se. on our podcast. <laughs> and Ski will do anything for a sponsor. <laughs> anything at all. <laughs> so, anyways, but yeah, I, I would I would certainly give up any, uh, any of my virtues <laughs> for, <laughs> for the lives of the people I care about. So. But, what about people you just kind of like a little bit? Uh, <laughs> like, yeah, and stuff they're only. Not, <laughs> <laughs> they're not too bad of a person. That does get to be more complicated, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah. Like I have no doubt that Ski would give his life for a stranger that he thinks is kind of an asshole. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I, I don't. I don't think most of us fall into that category. Like there's certainly plenty of people that I would, but if I automatically already don't like you. Then I know that I would. Chances uh, are fading, huh? Yeah, exactly. I mean, I think most of us have some sort of a hero fantasy. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, doing it with Captain America. Oh, I thought those you meant like sandwiches. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, I, mean, I think all those are pretty uh, substantial. Uh-huh. Right. Uh, but yeah, but I think we all. Boogies and grinders. <laughs> Navy beans. <laughs> uh, hey, now. <laughs> I like the idea, like, if I was going to die at a young age, mm-hmm. I would hope it'd be doing a heroic act. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. that would be nice. Uh, I mean, exactly. not nice, but that would be better than, like, I don't know, a car accident or, exactly. you know, some other form of way to die at a young age. Exactly. I think if I start living longer than I want to be alive, mm-hmm. I think that's a good plan. You should be just a start, vigilante. Just, just take up, like, heroic acts all the yeah. time. Like, <laughs> just every Christmas Eve, you're at Nakatomi Plaza, just open. <laughs> Copycats come around. I mean, stand there with my crowbar. Just waiting. Yeah. See, now most people would get that, but I don't know if Ski. <laughs> Say again? I know you didn't miss it. Oh, it was this movie, and um, Alan Rickman played Hans Gruber in it. And then, um, like at the end of the movie, like he died really hard. Yeah. Do you know died the name? Really hard. Yep, Hans Gruber, yes. <laughs> we have covered this before. <laughs> he still looked to be hanging on Brent's every word as he got to near well, the Well, like the, the, the square. Line. I did not know what square he was talking about. Nakatomi Plaza. Okay. We need to buy you a shirt with that on it. Maybe Brent can recommend a place to buy one. <laughs> got what? It's my Christmas hoodie. Well, That's... I know. I'm saying you could recommend one for him because okay. he obviously needs a, re- a reminder. Yeah. Um, I don't know where we were at on that recap, though. Hopefully, skis. I've got my little oh, place okay. to say right Well, then let's go ahead and turn it back over. <laughs> so, to yeah, that. we just changed scenes. Uh, we see Sophia in the kitchen uh, pouring a glass of orange juice uh, when Dorothy enters. Sophia offers her a glass, and she gladly accepts. Uh, when she goes to take a drink, though, the liquid pours out onto the front of her blouse. I, I would argue, though, that it was very hard to see any of it getting on her clothes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It looked like she just poured it on the table more yeah, than on her shirt, yeah. but. Almost like she knew it was coming, which in the old retrospect yeah. she did. But, <laughs> right. Uh, so then she's like furiously kind of dabbing herself dry and asked, you know, 
if it's a joke glass. Sophia, of course, laughing, explains that, you know, it is and that she's trying to find the perfect way to get Maury back and that she's uh, been practicing with different gags and pranks. Uh, Dorothy asks if uh, she looks like Maury. <laughs> and uh, Sophia says, a little around the eyebrows. Yeah. Uh, but explains that uh, she has to have the perfect gag and offers, you know, to then shake you know, her daughter's hand as a peace offering, which seems like an obvious setup because, you know, I don't ever see them shake each other's hand, do you? No, no. Like, I don't remember any any circumstance. Maybe shaking other people's hands. Like yeah, yeah, there's been an occasion setting. on that, but yeah, certainly not each other's. Yeah, <laughs> especially mother to daughter. That mm-hmm. seems awkward. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, of course, she gets zapped with a hand buzzer, and then, you know, Dorothy th- throws her hand back overly dramatically. Uh, Blanson enters and tells uh, Dorothy, you know, she's a mess. Dorothy explains that she had just spilled OJ on herself, and Blanche rudely comments, oh, I hadn't noticed that. Yeah. Uh, at that, Dorothy uh, suggests that Sophia go ahead and pour her a glass of orange juice also. <laughs> uh, she does, and uh, hands Blanche uh, the cup, the, the gag cup, and then she goes to take a sip, but before she does, she uh, stops and then starts talking about how she thinks she may be coming down with a cold. Uh, Dorothy is not surprised by this as she's been uh, posing naked in a cold studio the whole past week. Mm-hmm. Blanche insists, however, that uh, the experience is enough to keep her tingly and hot. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blanche uh, keeps almost taking a drink and then talking about something else. It's kind of a little gag there. Uh, then when she almost uh, does drink, the doorbell rings and she gets up saying that must be Laszlo. And they were going to go to uh, the museum together that day. Uh, she then stops, takes a big drink with the gag cup, mm-hmm. and uh, puts the down the uh, table with no spill. Of course, Dorothy is puzzled by you know how this happened, and uh, then goes to pick up the glass and take a second drink for herself. And of course, it dribbles on her. Right. <laughs> yeah, this is another one of those little moments where it's like oh, such a pre-COVID joke um, <laughs> where, <laughs> where they're sharing cups around with no, you know, yeah. wanton abandon. Um, exactly. <laughs> but. They're within the same household, so it's okay. Yeah, that's true. We'll say. Then Rose goes to open the door, explaining that uh, Blanche had gone to go get her jacket. Laszlo talks to Rose and confides in her that he's not really sure that he wants to continue having Blanche uh, model for him as he's decided that uh, he wants a more innocent, full-figured woman to pose. He asked Rose if she'd consider it. Uh, she turns him down, saying that, you know, it would hurt Blanche's feelings. And uh, just then, Blanche enters the room and asks if Rose kept him, quote, entertained. He tells her he finds her very charming. And uh, Blanche just kind of laughs this off at the thought, saying that uh, he can lie and still sound sincere. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blanche realized that her makeup isn't in her purse, so she's kind of ruffling through it and uh, heads back to her room uh, to go get it. And as she walks back, Rose angrily tells Laszlo, give me that key, which he immediately does. Yeah. This episode, it kind of reinforces the thing they seem to be doing with Blanche that I'm not a particularly big fan of. Like, I am 100% on board with Blanche and, you know, all of her escapades, 100% on board with Blanche being very full of herself. Mm -hmm. But it seems like more and more in these episodes, she's just taken these really harsh, unwarranted shots at Dorothy and Rose. Um, (laughs) And yeah, I don't know, like it, it's it's making her kind of unlikable um, mm-hmm. in an overall sense. And so I, I hope that as the season goes on, you know, maybe it's just something with the writing on this particular season, but it just really feels like that she's gone away from just being 
you know, conceded to mm-hmm. being kind of an asshole. Yeah. <laughs> More so, at least, than just, you know, like, because yeah. it's, it's, again, it's not like I'm, I'm the prettiest or I'm the best. It's yeah. like, you're ugly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> but anyways, I don't For know. For reference, folks, he pointed to me when he said that. I pointed in the yeah, middle uh, of you and well, Brent. I think no, we all it was know. directly pointed that way. <laughs> I think we know I'm the ugly duckling the, here. I was trying to figure out a polite way to tell our listeners that. <laughs> <laughs> what Alan's trying to say is he's the prettiest. Mm-hmm. Brent is a close yeah. second, and I am a far and dismal third no i i've said before With i think like i've said it on this very podcast face, before pimples on the eyes <laughs> yeah, on the <laughs> boils and whatnot all over you um, my, my mighty hunchback yeah. but I, i've said before i don't think i'm a good judge of a handsome guy other than the very high end you know listen if you're a chris hemsworth or whatever i can i can commonly say okay that's a handsome dude but unless you're on the very top level i don't feel like i know specifically what a handsome guy looks like I know what an ugly guy looks like, though, <laughs> and and neither of you two definitely fall into that category at all. So I can't say that you two are, you know, on the verge of movie stardom, but I definitely can say that you're not on the star on the verge of hunchbackdom or you know anything else. You're not mutants. Movie stardom in the other way, right? You're not. You're not going to be in the 1920s freak show. Yeah. I think I'm on the threshold of movie stardom mm-hmm. just because, you know, I consider the greatest movie star of all time to be Paul Dooley. <laughs> <laughs> well, and I don't consider Paul Dooley to be an ugly man. No, <laughs> so, I don't either. Uh, I'm trying to think. There's been a couple. There's been a couple ugly dudes on the uh, C- series, mm-hmm. um, but not a whole lot. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So. Uh, I'm, I made the comment here that, you know, she says, give me that key. But I did not mention earlier that uh, uh, when Blanche first tells him, that she is being with Laszlo, mm-hmm. he'd given her a key to his studio. Mm. So for and, some and context. she pulled it out of her brassiere. She did. She did, yes. <laughs> why do they need keys? I mean, are they going to be spending a lot of time there without him there? I don't understand why. Maybe he's just going to be working, and you know, he doesn't want to be interrupted until they arrive. He's in the groove. I guess, yeah. It just seems odd Which, to be like, don't knock. Just let yourself in. Yeah. Here's well, a key. Maybe, I maybe keep a dozen the, of them. Well, it's like, let yourself in, get naked. That way, you know, it doesn't waste my precious time when I show up. <laughs> right, because yeah, I'm I, an artist, world famous of, as it stands. I did kind of wonder if it may, if it's like a studio apartment type thing, the the uh, key may be to the front door. Uh, oh, like okay. At the, the floor yeah. level. Yeah, like That's the entry. Yeah. yeah, I could see and that. And then they walk up to the thing. But the super's not happy, though, with this Hungarian giving away. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Then the super shouldn't have given the Hungarian a dozen keys to begin with So if, if for his studio apartment. <laughs> Now later on, not to give too much away, they all do go to the the place and they still knock, mm-hmm. and he's painting the at the time and goes answer it. So why that can't be a daily thing, right. I don't know. And why didn't just let themselves in? We don't know either, unless it's like you said that all that key gave him access to is to the building itself. You're right. Yeah. Gets yeah. in the front door in his mailbox. That's mm-hmm. it. Right. Yeah. Because that's what they they probably stole his mail. Mm-hmm. You think? Mm-hmm. Exactly. I mean, it seems so, fair considering all the uh, old stuff from Hungary. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Hey, we have a listener in Hungary. Yeah, I know. Yeah. yeah. Well, oh, hey, that was one little thing I didn't mention earlier. Another little tidbit of info. We got a, a new country that we oh, had yeah. to listen from, the Czech Republic. Nice. Wow. Um, and and even more exciting, no Czech offense, one, Czech two. Republic, Rhode Island. We got our first listen nice. from. So yeah. So I guess all your haranguing on Rhode Island finally <laughs> paid off. <laughs> so, exactly. So yeah. So now we're down to just three states: Alaska, Hawaii, and. 
can't remember the Delaware, I believe, okay. is the third one that we haven't gotten to listen to listen from yet. But to whomever our new listener is in Rhode Island, um, I was thinking about you the other day. Um, I was listening to Fish's uh, April Fourth, nineteen ninety eight concert from Rhode Island, ah. and I was like, "Huh, there's some good stuff in Rhode Island." And hopefully this listener was at that show. Just to be clear, we've got one listen from Rhode Island, so <laughs> <laughs> they're probably not going to hear this. Uh, but you never know. Maybe that was their first of many. So yeah, we'll maybe. see. But anyway, sorry about that little interruption, but you can go ahead, Ski. Quite all right. That's what it's all about, honestly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> the little interruptions. <laughs> right. And pretty much, yeah. That's where we're at our best. Uh, so you have a scene change again. Uh, we see <laughs> Sophia yet again sitting at the kitchen table. Uh, with a few trinkets kind of on the table there. Uh, when Dorothy walks in, mm-hmm. uh, she tells her daughter that she's glad she's there and uh, that she was wanting to show her some of the old items that she'd found in the attic, which I think is the first time they've ever talked about having an attic, isn't it? At least that I remember. Now, I wonder if it's a full-on attic or just like something you have like an access-type panel to that you know you can maybe kind of has the beams there, but you could set stuff up there if you wanted to. Yeah. But I don't know. But And later on, there may be even more to it, so... I'll get to that in a second. Uh, she tries to hand her uh, what she claims to be her grandma's antique kaleidoscope. Dorothy, however, isn't uh, chanting it and assumes it's another prank. Uh, she tells her mom that, you know, when I put it on my eye, it'll probably leave a charcoal ring around it. Sophia kind of relents and just kind of gives up on that and suggests they call a truce uh, with a piece of peanut brittle from a canister. Mm-hmm. Again, Dorothy is guessing it's a, a classic gag with the spring snakes that pop out at you. Dorothy tells her that, you know, she's too smart for any of that and uh, won't be falling for any more of her mother's jokes. Just then, she sits down beside her at the table, and we hear a loud uh, sound from her backside. Sophia starts laughing hysterically because she got her with uh, the classic whoopee cushion. Right. Now, that one, I mean, it's kind of on you. If you sit down on the whoopee cushion, <laughs> if you don't look down at your seat at all before <laughs> you sit down. You know, I mean, I well, think- they do have pads on their seats, well, so I wonder if she <clears throat> stuck it underneath the pad. That's what yeah, I, I guess think. that'd be a possibility. I assumed it was under the pad mm. and everything as well. But it's also, you think it would be like almost plumped up a little bit at least. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I mean, I could definitely see though where you wouldn't necessarily notice a plumped up pad. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, yeah. if you're looking down on it, you don't really necessarily know how much it's raised. True, yeah. true. Death perception you know. changes a little bit. I don't know. Within the hierarchy of pranks, um, so she's got, you know, dribble glass, mm-hmm. whoopee cushion, you know, charcoal kaleidoscope right which is never confirmed <laughs> yeah just suspected yeah I don't know. and the and the hand yeah. buzzer and the hand buzzer yeah mm-hmm. so, I mean, which really, she landed the glass and the hand buzzer yeah so she's done four of the top five you know so what does she just need to put like some fake dog doo-doo on something is that like what's <laughs> what's the fifth one? Oh, uh chalk in the milk oh <laughs> well i mean she's not a protestant that's true <laughs> that we know of anyway <laughs> <laughs> Still my all-time favorite Conan O'Brien thing. <laughs> Man, his entire 30-year career. <laughs> I just boil it down to that. That just makes me laugh every time. Following the whoopee cushion uh, incident, Dorothy just looks deadpan, knowing that she's been had. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dorothy then switches chairs as Sophia opens the uh, can that she was talking about and pulls out an actual piece of peanut brittle and takes a bite. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blanson enters the kitchen, upset, telling the girls that they won't believe what happened that morning when Dorothy then inquires, you know, what is it? Blanche says she doesn't want to talk about it and leaves. <laughs> uh, in the next room, though, she sees Rose and again explains how mad she is. Mm-hmm. Uh, when Rose says, you know, hey, I can explain, uh, Blanche blows her off saying, oh, it has nothing to do with you. 
She continues saying that uh, secretly she had peeped at Laszlo's uh, sketches because mm-hmm. he would not normally let her see those. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that uh, they uh, showed a larger framed woman with uh, droopy features and uh, with uh, bigger hair. And that uh, the woman is, quote, uh, a clown and a dog and wrinkled old bag. Right. Not, yeah. I think in that order. Yeah, yeah, more or less. Anyway. Dog, uh, dog, clown, and then wrinkled old bag. Right. But uh, when Blanche finally shuts up, Rose blurts out that the woman though sketches is her, <laughs> and uh, that she tells that she's been you know posing because Lazlo wanted a more innocent subject. I, I like that. Uh, I mean, it was a funny line, even though again it reinforces what I was saying about Blanche. Um, she says, uh, "I know she sounds like you, honey, but it's not you." Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But then, and then Blanche replies, though, again, also, you know, with more cellulite is more like it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah, still still cranking on the uh, the, the jerk mode there. Uh, Rose stands up and demands that she take that hurt, hurtful comment back. That sounds like something that you do in your free time, cranking on the jerk mode. <laughs> <laughs> that does sound pretty bad. <laughs> Not judging. I mean, you know, you got needs, but... She is being... She continues to be rude. How's yeah. that? <laughs> Fair enough. Unnecessarily so. <laughs> but uh, Blanche refuses to apologize. This kind of goes back and forth a few times until uh, Dorothy enters the room and asks, you know, what all is the ar- what all the arguing is about. Blanche explains that Rose was, you know, busy stabbing her in the back. She has also been seeing the artist, but isn't uh, sure why. Say she says that uh, he could just go to SeaWorld if he wants to see a naked whale. Yeah. Yeah, again, really harsh. Um, now, granted, at least in this case, you can tell that she feels jilted that Rose took on this position knowing that Blanche had yeah. feelings for the artist, um, but or Laszlo. But, yeah, still, it's a, it's a pretty harsh uh, swipe. Well, say, uh, following the SeaWorld comment, uh, Rose, very proud of herself, spurts back, or to your bathtub. Yeah, that was a fantastic comeback on Rose's part. <laughs> and you could tell she looked so proud on her little face. That that was actually my favorite line of the, the show because of Just because of, of her just look, look, her yeah, own just, sense of self-satisfaction. Exactly with right, it. yeah. <laughs> so uh, they decide they'll both keep up with their sessions and just see who he'll ultimately choose for his sculpture. Dorothy says uh, she believes she can also help uh, in their dispute. Uh, she then tells them that it'll be neither of them. And then Smugly shows that she also has been given a key to his studio. Mm-hmm. So it'll be her. <laughs> yeah, I, I love the Rose line. Because, again, this is one where it doesn't have the meanness behind it that most of Blanche's do. But she says, like, that's great. And I think, you know, Blanche says, why is that great? And she says, uh, Rose replies, uh, the woman you saw in those horrible drawings must have been Dorothy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, Dorothy does tell him that, you know, he'd also asked her to pose. Blanche says that, you know, she's stunned, and that's when Rose says, you know, she's relieved. Mm. And then, you know, because now she thinks, yeah, the the bad drawing must have been of of Dorothy. Uh, Blanche indignantly indignantly claims that they've both uh, betrayed her, and Dorothy says, you know, she shouldn't be surprised, as they'd also like the idea of being, quote, immortalized in art. Right. Blanche says that uh, they didn't go for the art, but they went there to kind of steal her man as she storms (laughs) into the kitchen. (laughs) Uh, the other girls follow her in and bicker as to why Blanche assumes he's her man instead of uh, either of them having a chance. As they are arguing, though, Sophia is trying to figure out who the heck they're talking about uh, uh, before Dorothy and Rose finally tell her that's a Hungarian sculptor named Laszlo 
that they've all been posing naked for over the past many days. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sophia does not know how to pr- process this. It's all new news to her. And uh, assumes that it's complete fabrication. She responds that, you know, in the future, they can simply tell her it's none of her business. Mm-hmm. Now, see, I didn't take it that way. I that she assumed they were lying. I guess I just assumed that she was saying that I didn't want to know that. You could just tell him, tell me oh, it was not I gotcha. my business. Maybe but she either did. way, yeah, yeah, I mean, I, I guess. But with the look on her face, I assumed that was the context. She's like, what? <laughs> <laughs> like, if you don't want to tell me, just tell me to get lost or something. <laughs> but uh, when Dorothy uh, presses Blanche asking uh, why she thinks Laszlo is romantically interested in her, Blanche explains that, uh, he called her his, quote, greatest artist inspiration, bar none. Dorothy and Rose, however, also reveal that he's used the exact same line with both of them. <laughs> Dorothy calmly states that uh, they can't know for sure which one of them he'll ultimately choose as, as his subject. Blanche also says that, you know, uh, being an artist with taste, he'll have to pick her for her grace and style. And she says that exactly as she's sitting down in the same chair with the whoopee cushion. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I like that that entire little sequence. But yeah, I think it was well timed. Yeah, her exact phrasing there was, "He cannot help but pick the woman with the most grace, the most style, the most femininity." And then, as you said, yeah, immediately onto the whoopee cushion from there. It was a fine whoopee cushion too. I mean, it was. It was. Sure. It was. So. Good, good foley art. <laughs> right. <laughs> that's that's the artist mm-hmm, right there. Yeah. <laughs> the artist is Sophia. So oh, okay. <laughs> I was gonna say. So you're you're <laughs> already claiming your MVP of the episode is the foley artist, <laughs> <laughs> whoever that may have been. But there you go. Yeah. <laughs> uncredited. No. Uh, oh, they I'm all sure got a credit. <laughs> probably, yeah. yeah. Uh, but they all have to the whoopee cushion and the perfect timing. They all share a bit of an embarrassed silence. Uh, Rose then sits down next to them and points out that, you know, he may not even know which one of them he'll ultimately choose as he had uh, liked different qualities from each of them, which is very insightful, I thought. Right, yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, Blant states that he's been uh, unfair to all of them, though, uh, and that uh, they should teach him a lesson by none of them returning. Uh, She suggests also that the other girls give them uh, their keys and she'd keep them in all three of them in her hope chest locked up. Right. Dorothy asks, you know, how they know Blanche and her hope chest wouldn't continue to go <laughs> visit him uh, to pose. She then goes to uh, open the peanut brittle can that uh, Sophia had previously offered her. And then, of course, the springs fly out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Rose says that uh, they should go to him and uh, tell him he has to choose one. The girls all agree. Uh, as they get up, uh, they head to the door. Sophia comes back in the kitchen and asks where everybody's going. Dorothy explains that uh, they'll just be back in an hour. Uh, never really giving her an answer, actually. Oh, right. And the kind of guides her to sit down on the, and read her magazine, trying to get her to squish the whippy cushion again. Uh, then she sits down with no sound. Dorothy is again uh, puzzled at the failed gag. Sophia explains that uh, she can't be outsmarted, and she says she has the mind of a fox and the butt muscles of Barishnikov. Yep. Which was a funny line. And granted, listen, Sophia probably weighs like 80 pounds soaking wet. I mean, she's a <laughs> tiny human. But unless it's like a real thick whoopee cushion, I don't think having strong <laughs> butt muscles is going to prevent you from what that pushing meant, exact. the air out. Yeah, and, Exactly, yeah. I mean, unless she like in some way flexed one cheek in order to... <laughs> I, I don't know. I'm not sure Pinch how. the nozzle closed. <laughs> right, yeah. <laughs> Maybe she uh, knew the exact placement of the whoopee cushion because ultimately she put it there. Yeah. Maybe she's sitting like right on the edge of the chair. 
Yeah, I mean, it could be to where like her her butt she is keeping be... her from falling off because of her, you know. Yeah, I don't know. Ripped glutes, but <laughs> I don't know. But I just thought that was an odd. Yeah, how does that prevent it, right? Mm-hmm. No real explanation. Yeah, exactly. But anyways. Barishnikov knows. Yeah, I, I guess so. He's never been uh, <laughs> foiled <laughs> by a whoopee cushion in his days of dancing. So. Is he still alive, Mikhail Barishnikov? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. I don't know how old he was. I don't think Gregory Hines is, but yeah, I think Barishnikov is. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad we've established that. <laughs> they were in that movie together. <laughs> oh, were they? White Knights. <laughs> okay. <laughs> He knows a lot of movies. He the does. Man, the man yeah. has got a pretty extensive. <laughs> it's uh, funny. I look at both of you guys, and I look at myself, and I'm like, okay, I, I'm an underachiever to a certain extent. Okay. Um, you know, I, yeah, right. to a certain extent, um, I, I could have been, you know, like moved up further in corporate chains or whatever. Mm-hmm. I look at you, and I'm like, you are an underachiever in that you have all this artistic ability. <laughs> um, and you know, yet you work in a factory. <laughs> and I, I look at Brent and I'm like, you have what seems like almost a fucking eidetic memory or some shit about things. <laughs> and yet you write, you know, training materials. So I don't know. I think we all have underachieved to a certain degree. That's probably why we're all friends. Um, if any of us, if any of the three of us were like really an overachiever, we probably wouldn't have enough patience for the other two. <laughs> so, so White Knights is a 1985 American musical drama film directed by So, Taylor yeah, it would have come out right before this yeah, show. Or, and oh, starring hours, Mikhail Baryshnikov and Gregory Hines. Okay, well, now you need to check to see if Mikhail Baryshnikov is alive. Uh, Gregory Hines died in 2003. Okay. And Baryshnikov... Uh, Still around. He's oh. seventy-three. Okay, so he's fairly. So old there man. you go. So every fact that you just mentioned before oh. being fact-checked was correct. <laughs> so here's the two things. Oh, so like he was uh, partners um, romantically involved with Jessica Lange when she made her King Kong and Barishnikov or, yeah. or uh, Gregory Hines. Yeah, uh, Barishnikov. <laughs> so his citizenship. Okay, you know, born in 1948 in the Soviet Union. So. He was um he was a Ruski until eighty six. Oh, okay. okay. And then in eighty six he got his US citizenship. So shortly after White Knights. Mm. So he So do you think that's what put him over the top? I'm certain <laughs> Maybe. of it, yeah. Okay. But, you know, then in twenty seventeen he became Latvian. Oh really? Wow. <laughs> I don't know if he denounced his American <laughs> citizenship. I'd um, like to think he just added on. Yeah. <laughs> so go for the triple. Mm. Yeah. Now did he Back then, I mean, that was the height of the the Cold War, right? Yeah. So, did he have to have uh, renounced his Soviet Union citizenship? Probably so, but it doesn't say where he had to denounce his American citizenship. Well, I'd like to say we're on better terms today with Latvia than we were on, on terms <laughs> yeah. with, with the Soviet Union in '85 or '86. So, yeah. I, I don't know. I don't want to go on too far out on a political limb there, but <laughs> so. Historical politics is okay right. on. Oh, okay. Good deal. <laughs> yeah. Um, so Real quick, though. So Taylor Hackford, I think he's actually Helen Mirren's husband or whatever. Mm-hmm. He directed it. Okay. So in this movie, okay, um, this was one of it was on HBO all the time during that brief window in which we had HBO when I was a lad. Oh, okay. Well, okay. there it was. The perfect timing, right? So, um, <laughs> you know, I mentioned it was a musical drama. Mm-hmm. Okay. So here's the plot of it, okay? So Burishnikov is a Soviet ballet dancer who defected from the Soviet Union. The plane carrying him to the next performance in Tokyo has electrical problems and crash lands in Siberia. He's hurt. 
and is soon recognized by a KGB officer um, who then contacts tap dancer Raymond Greenfred, which was Gregory Hines, <laughs> who was defected to the Soviet Union, and he gets them both to Leningrad. And then the KGB wants uh, Rodenchiko um, and Gregory Hines to, wants Bershnikov and Gregory Hines to dance at the season's opening. But then they have to use Helen Mirren as a former ballerina um, to escape out of the Soviet Union. <laughs> so, so that was White Knight. Yes, White so, Knight. Yeah, that's, a, that's a, not a movie that I'd ever heard of. And now I probably know more about it than I <laughs> ever would find out otherwise. Scott's some pretty big names. Yeah. yeah. Helen I mean, Mirren. if you're, yeah, Helen Mirren and some dancers. <laughs> so. How did, uh, how do you suppose Brishnikov trained for that role? It seems out of his wheelhouse. <laughs> a dancer? Huh. A dancer and someone who's a former Soviet, you know. Uh, it's like citizen. a spiritual sequel to Jim Cotta. <laughs> <laughs> I had some uh, reference. I have no idea what it's about. It's um about this dude. Um, It was some... U.S. Olympic gymnast or whatever, mm -hmm. and then he did kung fu, um, but like he always sort of encountered bad guys while he was near a pummel horse. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> huh. Convenient, but yes. you know what? If you've ever been in one of those gyms, uh, there's a lot of villains. Exactly, <laughs> so it's not, not hard to find. Exactly. <laughs> well, there's like just a lot of pummel horses around anyway. Well, yeah, that's true. I mean. <laughs> I know Indianapolis is just lousy the with them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, they always have hang out in the Pummel District. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's the Pummel Hut. <laughs> Pummels are us. Pummel Village. Yeah, they're all there on Third Street in the Pummel <laughs> District. <Yeah. laughs> Pummel for you. Yeah. <laughs> you like that one? I did. <laughs> <laughs> he loves a good pun yeah <laughs> uh, so we change scenes the girls are now arriving at Lazlo's studio and he invites them all in acting as if Blanche has simply brought the girls over to show them around mm -hmm. uh, they quickly explain to him that the, the jig is up and they all know that he's been seeing each of them he unabashedly admits that uh, you know they've caught him and uh, rhetorically asks what can I say and uh, Dorothy then swoons over next to him, saying that he can kick the two of them out and tell her, Dorothy, it's you I want. <laughs> Blanche kind of motions for her to you know, control herself, and she apologizes, saying that uh, she'd not seen him in overalls before. Yeah, that's something that I've never known of to be like, oh, man, a man in overalls. <laughs> I mean, unless you're into They're farmers. They're painting yeah. overalls, though, Alan. Well, like... But they don't look like an artist overalls. They look like a dude who paints walls for a they living. Did. Yeah, <laughs> they did, yeah, they did. <laughs> did he even have the little cuffs at the, at the bottom? Yeah, right, there's nothing nothing wrong with that. It's a fine profession, and well, it's hard work, too. It's, it's... But it's not something where I think that it's known as like, it's not like, oh, there's firemen and then there's painters <laughs> no not artists painters <laughs> we were talking about uh the the calendar earlier yeah that'd be the one they'd say oh is it a fireman calendar no no <laughs> painters <laughs> he's dressed like pete townsend on the cover of who's first yeah <laughs> only the you overalls yes yeah. if you know <laughs> i think i might know the the yeah. image that you're referring yeah. to so i'm only agreeing because i think that i know what you're yeah. referring to even though yeah. You know, I would never have been able to pull out <laughs> yeah. the, the uh, yeah. artist, the singer, yeah. or the, uh, you know, or the name of the album. But I believe I know the album cover that, yeah. to which you refer. I did make that faux pas, though, one time. Um, oh, dear God, I feel I, so bad no, for no, you. No, no, no. Um, a lady, um, 
like we had started the same day and we were talking and she said her husband was a painter mm. and i was like oh like landscapes or oils and she's like houses and i was like oh <laughs> <laughs> and then you moved two seats away from her because <laughs> you didn't want to be with the working class rabbit <laughs> the wife of a painter <laughs> Brush winch. Yeah. <laughs> just, just look at her in the eyes real deep and say, You are beneath me, lady. <laughs> oh, no, she was a sweet, sweet lady. Uh, I was a big fan. Um, we got along really well. So, um, you probably didn't know her. It was when I was at Nelnet and we worked together, you know, at EFS. And then about three months after, uh, we switched to uh, call center, whatever. That's when she left. And I oh, okay. joined up shortly thereafter. Yeah, I mean, if we if our tenure there crossed paths at all, it's still pretty unlikely that I would yeah. have known who she was. Yeah. So. Good lady. Big fan. Good to know. So I think we're ready to go back to the recap now. All right. We can well, skip to the end, too. <laughs> <laughs> we're getting close. We only got yeah, basically pretty, one pretty more scene or one and a half scenes left to go. Yeah. Yep. Uh, so, yeah, she says that she not seen him in his overalls before. Uh, Rose... Uh, then tells him he needs to choose which one of them he's going to be used for his, using for his sculpture. Uh, he tells him, that, you know, plainly that he'd really rather not choose any one of them. Uh, Blanche goes on saying that, you know, if you won't choose, that uh, it'll simply cause friction between them. And that uh, then she leans heavily towards herself, giving, you know, some examples as to why she should be chosen. Right. Lazo says that, you know, he wishes he could uh, continue to see them all as uh, they each inspired him in a unique way, uh, but he understands and doesn't want to damage their friendship. Blanche uh, says the, uh, before he makes his choice, uh, she wanted him to know how much she enjoys working with him and that uh, he, she feels he is, quote, the greatest Hungarian sculptor of our time. <laughs> Dorothy then cleverly adds that if she can name any two other Hungarian sculptors of any time... <laughs> She will eat one of his statues. <laughs> yeah. I would say even one. <laughs> so, I mean that, that. Well, she does work in a museum. Th- that's she might true. Know. That's true. Th- there would be at least a possibility. She's taking a gamble there. Mm-hmm. Uh, but when they again press him to make a decision, uh, he says that you know he chooses none of them, and adds that he has enough sketches already uh, to uh, do his work. Whenever he's ready to make his uh, model, he'll make his choice at that time, and then uh, he kind of asks him to. Uh, Leave him or leave so he can get back to work. Right. They'll then and then they ask, well, when will we know who you picked? And he said they'll see uh, when uh, the piece is revealed. So after he's finished it, uh, while exiting though, Blanche makes uh, one last plea uh, for herself, citing Picasso's painting, "Nude Woman Playing Violin." She says it used to be called Blanche Playing Violin, but it wasn't a violin. This was very odd, and I actually don't know. Did you guys look this up at all? The picture itself? Yeah. No, no, I did not. I, I tried. I could not find any proof that such a piece of art actually existed. <laughs> like Picasso never did a painting called Nude with a Violin? Well, I mean, Google gives you some uh, some results, but none of them match up exactly to that description and Picasso. So I found a picture of a nude lady playing a violin. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was like a pencil drawing or painting, or like, a, like a line painting or something. Uh, but it definitely wasn't Picasso. Oh, okay. And then uh, there's other Picasso drawings that come up and paintings from him, but none of them really look <laughs> like a nude woman or a violin. So well, Picasso had one called Woman Playing Violin. Did you find one? Yeah. 
but it doesn't say that she's nude. But looking at it, I, I, can, I can see Bush. <laughs> Earning that uh, that mature rating we got there, All right? <laughs> it's one of the most borderline uh, yeah, uh, get, comments that Brent has made on this podcast. <laughs> Do you think you get away with saying Bush, you know, referring to vagina on like uh, like on well, network, like network TV? TV? Yeah, I. It'd be borderline too, I would guess. If it was late, like if it was prime time, maybe not. But if it was like a 11 o'clock show you would maybe be able to get get away with it probably not on a kid's show yeah <laughs> yeah i would assume not unless they were really clever <laughs> um. babies. see i saw that but it, it gave it a different name this is woman playing violin huh i don't know yeah what name did you see it on i don't remember but i i remember looking for the name it the the tagline of the base and none of them matched up quite right. Well, if anybody that, out that may there, well be it then. If anybody out there wants to look up "Woman Playing Violin" by Picasso and try <laughs> to figure out where Brent's seeing naughty bits, by all means, I encourage it. It is heavily cubist. <laughs> yeah, the <laughs> violinist slash woman playing a violin. Hmm, okay, yeah, that probably is it then. All right, well, nineteen eleven. <laughs> Mystery solved. I always forget Pablo Picasso lived to be really old. Yeah. Yeah, but still, in 1911, how old would Blanchett have to have been at the time when that was, you know, like she wouldn't have even been born yet uh, when that particular painting was done, so. Well, she didn't say it was her Blanche. She said it was a Blanche. Oh, okay. So Picasso was born in 1881, and this thing was painted in 1911, so he would have been 30. Okay. So. But he lived till 1973. Oh, so he lived Uh, pushing 100. Yeah. Uh, We flash forward to the night of the exhibition, and the girls are all dressed up, and they're very excited to see the final work of art, which is at this point hidden under a large cloth. Uh, Blanche says that you know she can't wait to hear the gasps when people uh, when the sheet is lifted and people see her there. Yeah. Dorothy quips back, and this is a great line too, that she should uh, she thought she'd be used to that by now. Yeah, yeah, I like that line a lot. Uh, Rose then joins them, also very excited. Blanche asks, you know, why are you so perky? And Rose asks, you know, why wouldn't she be? Dorothy then points out that, you know, when the sheet is removed, the crowd may then be staring at a statue of her nude body. Rose's face kind of drops as she never quite understood that the statue would also be naked. (laughs) Uh, I forget, Dorothy even makes a line like, what do you think he's going to be in uh a rain poncho and a fireman's hat or something. <laughs> I think she's the Gordon Salt girl or something. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Gordon uh, Salt. Is the, there's the Gordon <laughs> Fisherman yeah. and there's the Morton Salt. You, you just combine well, them. Yeah, combine just kind of put them together. Exactly. So. Uh, Sophia then approaches uh, them asking you know, her daughter if she can believe that this piece of junk uh, cost $10,000, kind of just waving uh, carelessly a ceramic sculpture, and then, of course, slips out of her hand and shatters on the floor. Dorothy and Blanche look on in horror, and Dorothy seems broken, too, before uh, Sophia starts laughing uh, that she has got her again. Mm-hmm. Then a security guard walks up and approaches uh, Sophia and tells her that, you know, she's damaged a priceless piece of art, and he has to come, she has to come with him. Sophia sheeplessly says that, oh, I must have mixed up, you know, mixed the two up, this, the, the fake one and such. Uh, Dorothy falls right back into the doom and gloom, mm-hmm. telling her mother that, you know, she has to stop with these pranks. Uh, to that, Sophia tells her that, you know, she's falling for yet another gag and starts mm-hmm. laughing at her daughter again. Right. And uh, pays the guard a few bucks, saying that he did a great job at selling the bit. 
No one ever seems to come to clean up the uh, no, mess. Yeah. They just, I mean, it would have been shards of glass <laughs> laying on the ground. Well, and it doesn't seem like anyone else reacts a whole lot either. Yeah. Which you think in like a, a art studio or like an exhibition hall. Yeah, gallery type thing, yeah. That might have attracted a little more attention than that. Well, there's a lot of talking and exposition that goes on during this whole yeah. scene where you can't hear the background noise, the people chattering. But it's like the the girls plus the artists all seem almost like they're on a stage. I mean, granted, that's the crux mm-hmm. yeah. of, of TV. But, you know, it's it would seem that everybody would be noticing everything yeah, they're saying. Yeah, you can hear them they, crystal clear. Right. Like to the point where they would have to be shouting loudly. <laughs> right. Is everybody else At murmurs. the other volume. Yeah. But. Uh, Sophia is clearly pleased with herself. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> almost as much as you are of yourself. <laughs> Uh, a man calls the crowd's attention to uh, the big unveiling. Uh, the sheet is removed and the crowd applauds. Uh, the three girls then again start to argue as to which one of them uh, the, the sculpture is, from, is about, pointing at various features. Uh, someone says, look at the eyes and the nose. And Sophia shouts out, look at the butt. Mm-hmm. Uh, Blanche points out that you can't see the butt. And Sophia smiles and says, then it sure can't be you. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dorothy goes over to Laszlo and tells them that it is a beautiful piece of art and that, uh, you know, as he's thanking her for the compliment, she demands to know who it is. Shocked as to uh, the fact that they can't tell, he proceeds to tell them that the final piece was an amalgamation of uh, features he liked from each of them. Uh, he cited Dorothy's strength, Blanche's femininity, and Rose's sweetness, and then he combined each of these uh, characteristics to make, quote, uh, a perfect lady. Do you have some amalgamated pornography? <laughs> <laughs> uh, he tells them that it's easy to see why they're such good friends and that they compliment one another. I thought this was in stark contrast to the therapist from a few episodes ago, right. who said that they, yeah, he can't understand why they're with each other because they bring out the worst in one another. Yeah. Yeah, well, I mean, that's the eye of an artist versus the eye of a scientist. I guess you're right. <laughs> so. You just skyrocketed into the MVP for the episode. <laughs> Best line right there, Alan. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you, thank you. Very nice. Uh, Blanche asked him if there's anyone in, uh, at the particular reveal in whom he uh, is romantically interested. Uh, kind of obviously digging to see if uh, she's on the list. He admits that there is. Uh, just then, a man, the man who uh, made the announcement of uh, the unveiling, passes by and uh, tells Laszlo in a, like kind of sleepy eyes, you know, <laughs> or bedroom eyes, I guess, <laughs> like 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 flirty, right? Yeah, I didn't know. Like, are you saying he had a lazy eye? Are you saying like, <laughs> sorry, sorry, like Betty Davis eyes? What kind of eyes we got going here? But, but yeah, flirty type look. Okay. He says, "Looks like we're a hit." Uh, Laszlo then turns to the girls and says, I'm sorry, I thought you knew, and then <laughs> follows behind the man. Uh, Sophia you know, says on cue, what do you say? I'll go finish it. I was going to say on cue, she says, how can you blame him? <laughs> the man looked at the three of you naked for a month. <laughs> yeah, that was definitely Sophia's best line of the episode. Yeah, I agree. Uh, we changed scene one last time. Totally uh, unnecessary ch- scene change, in my opinion. They should have yeah. just ended it there, and yeah, that would have been fine. There was... um. 
like a few episodes back, there was this recurring bit between Blanche and Dorothy where, you know, Blanche would have Dorothy on her side all the way till the very end. Mm. And that's kind of how this episode was for me. <laughs> I thought it was just such an amazingly good episode. Mm. And then there was um just sort of the whole, you know, twist or whatever, just the the performance of the the sleepy eyed gentleman. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it was just a bit much for me. Yeah, yeah. He, he was slightly over the top. I mean, I guess we'll get, you know, yeah. to our final thoughts here in a moment. But yeah. yeah, it could have been a little more subtly played exactly. by him and still easily very, gotten the message across. Yeah, it was very stereotypical. Yeah. Which yeah. back in the eighties I kinda see why they might have done it that way, but Yeah. He was just the second coming of Coco. <laughs> <laughs> Continue. Uh, but yeah, one last time we see Dorothy uh, enter the kitchen with Sophia at the table. Sophia tells her, you know, that you know her practical jokes are over, and Dorothy is quite happy to hear this. Uh, she offers her glass of uh, her daughter a glass of orange juice again, mm-hmm. and Dorothy looks at her and asks, you know, is this just another prank, Ma? Sophia tells her, you know, in serious tone, that she said it's over. Dorothy takes a glass and then looks up and asks her mother, "Oh, did you leave something burning on the stove?" Which what right. <laughs> burning on the stove? You would have, they would all smell it. You'd think they would. When Sophia goes to look, Dorothy quickly switches the glasses. Uh, Dorothy claims, "Yeah, oh, it must have been nothing." And then she takes a drink, which it promptly dribbles on herself again. Sophia erupts in laughter uh, as she's got her again. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the. It almost felt like a little bit of Princess Bride going on there. Yes. <laughs> you know that. I'd like to think that both of them were durable glasses because yeah. Sophia knew that she would switch it, you know, kind of like she put the poison in both glasses. Right, and yep. that's how, you know, she knew. But yeah, oh, I thought, yeah. It, it, don't get me wrong, it was a, a, a nice button, I guess, on that uh-huh. B story. Yeah. But at the same time, I felt like the better end to the episode would mm-hmm. have been that last line in the prior, yeah. in the prior uh, scene. Yeah. So, but uh, anyways, so we had three guest actors in that one mm-hmm. uh, Tony J, he yeah. played Laszlo. Yeah. 212 credits to his name, um, 178 of those as an actor. A lot of uh, voice work, apparently yeah. very prolific voice actor. Um, he did play one a prominent Disney character. Uh, he played Frollo, the villain in The Hunchback of Notre Dame. Okay. Yeah, so he's got you know one nice big Disney credit to his name. And then I imagine that you guys probably remember him best from his role as Bogato in that classic TV show, one episode of that classic TV show, Whoops, Apocalypse. Um, <laughs> <laughs> That's a great name. <laughs> yeah. Um, so. Whoops. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then... Uh, wah, wah, wah. <laughs> right. Just as a side note, um, it should still be on Hulu, but that uh, Jenna Fisher show, You, Me, and the Apocalypse, mm-hmm. um, if you ever get a chance to watch it, I think it's only maybe 13 to 15 episodes or whatever. It's so amazingly good. I'm a big, big Jenna Fisher fan. She's pretty awesome. I yeah, like her that's, too. That one's really, really good. Yeah, you seem to be a bigger fan of Jenna Fisher as time goes on. Mm-hmm. Like your your fandom of her continues to grow. Yeah. Uh, yeah. She, her and uh, Angela were mm-hmm. on an episode of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend recently. Oh, yeah. yes. And you know, even listening to him, I was like, yeah, I can kind of see how their podcast would be mm-hmm. only average by celebrity podcast yeah. standards. I mean, yeah. certainly probably above ours, but, yeah. <laughs> you know, by, mm-hmm. but that said, I, I still think she's a delightful, yeah. uh, you know, actress. So Angela, she was Max Weinberg's intern or something. Yeah. Yeah. I think they both at some point had had something related to the Conan O'Brien show, um, but definitely Angela had. Yeah. I could be wrong about, uh, yeah. I could be wrong about Jenna Fisher. Mm-hmm. So then... uh we had two other guests. Uh, we had Victor, 
who was the slightly over the top guy there at the end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Monte Landis is his name. Seventy three mm-hmm. titles to his name. He did make an appearance in the Golden Palace, um, but this was his only episode of this. He did an episode of um, MathNet as well, mm. and it seems like that's one of those shows that Golden Girl guest stars usually end up on at some point. Oh, really? <laughs> MathNet. <laughs> yeah. What is that about? Um, it was like um, like a kid's version of Dragnet, except they were math problems. Ah. <laughs> Almost exactly what you'd think. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> but he was also, he played the role of Mario in Pee-wee's Big Adventure. Mm-hmm. And then uh, he was on a couple episodes of a fun show that Brent had uh, turned me on to, uh, Sledgehammer, mm-hmm. back in the 80s. Have you ever seen that by chance? I've not. It's a, not not like the a, song? No, not the song. <laughs> it's, it's kind of a parody-ish cop show. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's... It's like Dirty Harry, but you know funny whatever. yeah yeah so gotcha. it's uh there's a similar type feel show that uh, andy richter was in mm-hmm. um when you say that what was it uh andy barker pi yeah when you say it's kind of it was kind of uh, along the same lines yeah. of that again a fun show that didn't last as long as it yeah. should have uh, my favorite line from andy barker pi is um her penel um had a line where or presnell um had a line where he's like somewhere in heaven god's given the business to a classy dame or <laughs> something along those lines <laughs> like like the love of his life had just died uh. <laughs> given the business exactly to a classy dame that's that's a love letter right there yeah. it is. <laughs> put that on a card yeah and then our uh, our last um Last guest of that one was The Guard, played by Adam Small. Mm-hmm. Uh, 58 titles, only five of those as an actor, though, mostly a writer and creator, which mm-hmm. apparently on uh, variety TV shows, he was did 64 episodes writing on In Living Color. Okay. And then uh, the entire, he was listed as one of the creators for Mad TV. So, okay. uh, nice. long as, I mean, he's still Some good very shows there. Yeah. active currently with uh, writing and creating and whatnot. Leads me to believe that he's funnier than Howie Mandel. Yeah, could be. <laughs> oh yeah, we did. why do we need the shot of Howie Mandel? <laughs> yeah. I I remember really liking him when uh-huh. I was a kid, and then seeing that old routine, and I can understand why adults would not be as yeah. amused by him putting a rubber glove over his head yeah. and blowing it up. Um, but I remember I thought he was the shit back. When, if I would have heard that joke, I would probably put a hole in the TV back in 1989. <laughs> anyway, so. Uh, Ski, who got your MVP for this one? Oh, Sophia, easy. Really? Yeah, actually, I thought she had the best lines. Mm-hmm. She didn't really get involved in the bickering, and uh, she had. I love the gags. I thought the B story was almost as strong as the A story in this one. Hmm. <laughs> and what, what was your feelings on that, Brent? Same, who? Sophia. Um, I thought she was just the all star of this episode. Um, I think she had all the best lines, like Ski said. You know, especially the one at the end about you know what do you expect? He's been looking at your naked ass for a month. Um, but she had a couple scattered throughout that were just really, really good. Um, the bit about you know, well, it can't be you because you can't see the butt or you know whatever. It was really good stuff. I didn't really care that much for the B story in this one. I really liked the episode overall. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I don't. I wouldn't say I thought the B story dragged it down, but yeah. I didn't personally feel like it lifted yeah. it up either. Yeah. Um, I actually gave my MVP to Laszlo. I, I thought, granted, he wasn't particularly funny. I mean, his last line was a good funny line. Yeah. He had a, a little bit of humor, but I just really enjoyed the role he played in yeah. the episode. And It was definitely the, the main character, I think, as far as what everything revolved around. Yeah, although there are some things where it's like, why would he, if he had no romantic interest mm-hmm. in these three, why would he be trying to keep from them mm-hmm. that they, because it certainly looked like yeah, it was going to be like that prior one where they were mm-hmm. all, you know, 
Well, yeah, one thing having, that got me is like at the end he acts like, "Oh yeah, I don't want to break up your your friendships," but he's the one responsible right. for keeping them apart from one another, like like kind right, of yeah. coercively asking the other two mm-hmm. to uh, pose. Right. Yeah, I agree. Um, so that's o- awkward, but I, I look at that more as the I guess writing than it was the actor for yeah. that. Maybe it's part of the thrill. What do you yeah. think? I just know that um, so far we've had an actor date all three Goldens, and now an artist date all three Goldens. Mm-hmm. And so I don't know who's going to be next, but it's going to be another <laughs> visiting. Yeah. Yeah, I wonder, like, what would maybe a musician um, <laughs> would be our next. Big Daddy. But, yeah. <laughs> would you say he's really dating them in this case, though? Well, at uh, least we're given the impression yeah. throughout the episode. Uh, yeah. um, maybe the next they, one. They, be they a, all, yeah, they're all yeah. fighting over him. That's true. Yeah. That's the maybe the next time it. it'll be a singer trying to write a song about the three of them. It'll yeah. be Big Daddy. Yeah, it could, it could totally work out then because you know looking for <laughs> different <my> views. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but you know, of course, I would probably reduce the sexual tension considering <laughs> that he'd be thirty years older than everybody else and a father to one of them. <laughs> He's not gonna like, make him pose nude so he can write a song <laughs> about them. You know, listen, I don't want to judge anybody's creative process. <laughs> so if that's what he needs, then, you know, uh, I mean, as long as he doesn't ask Blanche to pose nude for his creative process, <laughs> then I do have a problem with that. I have no issue condemning that. <laughs> but anyways, so, uh, so Ski, how many slices of cheesecake did this one earn for you? Uh, I gave it a 6.5 and it would have been higher except, uh, if, if the girls weren't quite so mean to each other sometimes. <laughs> yeah, I know you don't like it when the girls, like, I, even with me, some of Blanche's meanness is a, yeah, a little yeah, bit just off-putting. Over the top, yeah. How about you, Brent? How many slices for you? Uh, 7.75. 7.75, wow. Yeah. So wow. You're right on the verge of perfection yeah, for you? It, if Victor would have dialed it back just a notch, <laughs> <laughs> I'd have given it the full state slices. Oh, wow. Now, see, I, I'm right on board with Ski. I gave it a 6.5 also. I did think it was a really I, solid episode. I think episode. this will probably be our favorite for the, I mean, so far for season three. I mean, yeah, we're halfway through season three. I think this one's certainly going to be in high contention. It, it may very well end up winning season three, but, you know, we still have 12 or 13 more episodes to go before we can make that determination. True, true, true. So, but yeah, a really solid uh, yeah, really We solid may episode. all end on one that's like an eight for all yeah. of us. Yeah, I, I hope we do. I hope it'd be nice if when it's all said and done, if we had one that was really clear cut, mm-hmm. um, but at the same time, you know, that would kind of take away some of the fun of the process. Mm-hmm. Exactly. So yeah, season, like it's at the end of season three or four. Like, yeah. Well, we got a few more guys, right. but <laughs> let's just get through this. All right. You, you all know where the goalposts are. <laughs> well, Hey, listen, if we did get a perfect 24, you know, eight, 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 um, on an episode, we could still anticipate there could be another perfect 24 between then and true, the end of the se- series. Mm-hmm. It would just be a really high bar to meet. Mm-hmm. And, you know, you never know. We could end up giving something else a lower score, and then we get to the end of it all, and mm-hmm. we compare the two up against each other and well, realize that we graded one a little more harshly than the mm-hmm. other. And You also talked like a bracket. So uh-huh, if, we, yeah. if we wanted to score one against another, we may come back and watch mm-hmm. it, you know, two years later and say, oh, I really like that one more now. Yeah, yeah, I think that could certainly happen. But we've got plenty more shows to give our first watch to um, before mm-hmm. we – you know, at least our first current watch too, if that makes sense. Yeah. And before we get to that, that final, uh, final goal. So <laughs> anyway, with all that, uh, stay golden, Coco. Hey, thanks so much for downloading today. If you enjoyed that opening, you should definitely check out Ashley Jade on YouTube. She has a bunch of awesome compositions on there. If you want to get in touch, you can email us at Sophia's choice podcast at gmail.com. You can also reach us on Twitter at Sophia's choice PC. 
We plan to have a new episode out every Monday. If you have a moment, give us a rating on iTunes or wherever else fine podcasts are downloaded. And of course, stay golden.